Hello everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 9, issue 420. And today we're going to talk about the Scramble and Gradius series of games. It's kind of a series, but we're leaving out certain titles as well. You'll get the idea as we go along, but mainly this show is in honour of the 35th anniversary of the release of the original Gradius, which if you're like me and were growing up in the UK and going to the arcades in the mid 80s, you'd have probably known it for some time as Nemesis. And maybe that name has stuck for you, but uh, it's long been internationally known as Gradius now. Anyway, joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 420 are Mikhail Croder. Croder in the mouth. <laughs> ben Cartledge. Hello, my friends. And Dan Clark. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Welcome, one and all. So, we'll get into everyone's histories with each of the games that we talk about in this show. As I say, uh, we've also been really actually broken. One of the Cane and Rinse rules for this show is we tend to always insist upon contributors having completed the game in question. Well, for multiple reasons, uh, I'm not saying none of us has any clears on these games because we definitely do between us. But the chances of all of us having completed all of these games is almost non-existent for various reasons. One, because they're very hard to get hold of in some cases. Two, they're very hard to play in many cases and three life is only so long um but we'll talk more about the the legendary difficulty of the games as we go along and we'll talk about how far we can get in each title in the series <laughs> as well uh, so what is gradius for those who don't know we've been asked before to make it clear at the beginning of the show what type of a game we're actually talking about because at 35 years old and in fact older still as we're going back to scramble not everyone who listens to this was alive when these games came out. And really, the series has been dormant for over a decade now. Mm. So, yeah, you might not know that Gradius is a mostly horizontally scrolling and mostly 2D sci-fi shoot-em-up from Konami. There are some exceptions to those descriptors which we'll probably talk about. According to the Gradius Wiki, the Gradius series, first introduced in 1985, is a series of scrolling shooter video games developed and published by Konami for a variety of portable console and arcade platforms, and has since its inception become synonymous with the phrase, shoot the core. In many games in the series, the player controls a ship known as the Vic Viper. Yeah, or Victor to his friends. Victor to his pals. The title Gradius was for quite a while thought to have been derived from the Latin term for a sword known as the Gladius and with the traditional uh, non-distinction in Japanese English between the L and R sounds, it seemed to be a natural sort of translation mistake, if you will, to Gradius. But the developer's designer, sorry, Kengo Nakamura, has said in an interview that the chosen name similarities, the chosen name similarity to Gladius was coincidental. Yeah. Uh, Bailey Boy from the forum says, I can't remember the first Gradius game I played. To my knowledge, I didn't own any of the home ports of earlier titles, and I have no memory of having played it at any of the numerous arcades that lined the seafront where I grew up in Western Supermare. I was born in 86, and although I was spending time at the arcades from a very young age, courtesy of my two older brothers, by that time there were too many bigger, flashier distractions. In 2004, I picked up a copy of Gradius V shortly after release. I was a fan of Treasure and excited about their involvement and was clued up enough about the series by then, even if I had no memory of playing it before. What surprised me was that I instinctively knew how the power-up system worked and recognised certain other elements too. 
In the early 90s, there was an ingenious local entrepreneur who operated a games and VHS tape rental business from the back of a transit van. It would pull up outside every weekend like an ice cream van. My brothers and I would all pour in and grab a game or two to keep us busy for the week. We didn't own a lot of cartridges for our 8 and 16-bit consoles, but this meant we had a steady stream of games flowing in and out of the house for years. I couldn't tell you half the games I played during this period, but at least one of the Gradius games or its spin-offs must have been in the mix somewhere. The memory sealed away in my subconscious to be unlocked upon playing Gradius 5. I played a lot of Gradius 5 and count it among my favourite PS2 games, eventually managing to finish it on lower difficulties, but never did quite manage a 1cc on its default settings, partly because of its incredible difficulty, but also because I enjoyed it so much I went and picked up the Gradius 3 and 4 collection for PS2, a burned copy of Gradius Gaiden for my modded PS1 and started playing those too. I enjoyed all of them, but the one I ended up putting the most time into was the infamous Gradius 3. At the time I was getting back into retro games, the 6th gen consoles didn't cater too well to fans of 2D gaming, so I think Gradius 3 just appealed to me more versus the flashier Gaiden and 4. To the surprise of absolutely no one, I never finished it, but I played it a lot and did end up getting fairly decent at the early stages, occasionally making it to the back half of the game. It is unquestionably a game designed to not be beaten, but something about its frankly obscene level of challenge drew me in at the time. It's pure nightmare fuel, but I like it. I've since gone back and dabbled with earlier entries and spin-offs, Rebirth, played a lot of Gaiden, which may be my favourite, and I often return to 5 to have another crack at score attack mode. I still play 3 now and again too, and never get as far as I used to, but I still genuinely enjoy it. Maybe one day I'll have a go at the SNES port to give myself an actual chance of finishing the damn thing. I love these games. I've always enjoyed shmups, but in particular this style that challenges me to improvise and react rather than demanding bullet pattern memorization and perfecting roots. The bullet hell subgenre has largely passed me by for this reason. I can appreciate the craft, but it just doesn't hold the same appeal. My enjoyment comes from playing a game of survival rather than the high score chase. The Gradius games have the perfect amount of reactivity to maintain that constant knife-edge gameplay for my tastes, better than any other games in the genre that I've played. The adrenaline rush of wreaking havoc in a fully powered up ship is also, for me, one of the most satisfying feelings in all of gaming. I may have come to the series very late, but I haven't stopped playing since. I sympathize very much with that. Also with the... I, I personally don't have a whole lot of love for Gradius 3, but I sympathize with that idea of where you get sort of bent on <laughs> tackling a game that you're by all means are not supposed to double be. dragon three like anyone double dragon three for example that that yeah. game was not supposed to be beaten because yeah. they only give you one life to get through the whole game yeah but, uh, but it yeah. could be beaten as you proved and indeed i've watched some runs of gradius three but more of which later yeah first we're going to rewind now this may or may not have been an inclusion at some points in the past but Certainly, I'd sort of made the connection in my head back in the early eight, uh, well, in the mid eighties when Gradius came out, I think. But after Williams released Defender in nineteen eighty, which was horizontally scrolling but in two directions and always over the same planetscape, this was the first sort of forced horizontally scrolling left to right, progressing through a changing world of exciting, interesting backdrops that I can recall. I'm probably the oldest one here, I think, near enough. But does anyone know of or remember playing a game that fitted this mold before Scramble in 1981? 
only things that would have been copies of Scramble, but that I wouldn't yes. have known because I hadn't have seen the game by that Precisely. point. Precisely, yes. Sure, sure. So, yeah, the title screen says, how far can you invade our Scramble system? <clears throat> you control what is called a jet. It was sort of officially brought on board as a Gradius Zero, a progenitor of the series by the Game Boy Advance game in 2001, which actually, uh, I think, has a... It's sort of traditional for these games to have a sort of uh, previously on Gradius uh, kind of intro, at least on some of the versions internationally. And Gradius Galaxies or Gradius Advance, depending on where you played it, had one which included Scramble. Um, it's sometimes listed separately in histories, but on their uh, on Konami's own website in their happy birthday to Gradius thing. It's got Scramble in there and it's included on the same compilation, the Arcade Classics compilation as Gradius and Gradius 2 and Salamander. So that's good enough for me. And I think it's just such a, a seminal game that I thought we might as well take the opportunity to talk about it. You take control of the spaceship referred to as a jet on the screen. It must navigate through six brightly coloured levels, each with their own distinct terrain and obstacles before reaching the enemy base and destroying it. Along the way, you must avoid colliding with the terrain, as well as a number of moving obstacles, all the while maintaining fuel supplies by shooting fuel tanks. This was something that the uh, Gradius series definitely dropped and destroying enemy ground installations. Scramble was the first game of its kind to feature such a refueling system. That's from Konami. And according to CMVG magazine in February 1982, Scramble was the first arcade game to send you on a mission. Obviously, that's kind of semantically you could challenge that. But it, I know what they mean. This was I remember playing this so clearly from such an early age. I remember it being in anywhere you could find video games, there was a scramble machine. I remember playing it with all kinds of different joysticks and buttons, depending on which cabinet it had been mangled in. I didn't understand at the time the dif difference between horizontal and um, vertically mounted monitors, portrait and landscape. But weirdly, this is a horizontally scrolling game that in its original hardware takes place in a in a tape mounted uh, monitor. <laughs> so you've got a very narrow kind of field of view. The thing that still strikes me about this game that was unusual in 1981, it was the first game I'm aware of playing where not everything had hit detection. So you could blow things up and fly through the carnage without losing a life. And that, to me, felt very exciting. I guess it was a bit like Luke uh, bombing the de the Death Star and, you know, shooting that tower up and flying through the explosion, that kind of sensation. So, uh, yeah. folks, uh, guests, Ben, other memories of Scramble? You see, I've only played this fairly recently, as you might imagine, Tom. I was uh, what, born in 1980, so kind of a, a little bit before I was uh, going to arcades and kind of playing in arcades. I do have mem memories of kind of seeing it, but by the time I was regularly attending arcades, probably 86, 87, obviously it was... A generation or two, a, a generation or two behind. Phased did, out. Uh, yeah, exactly. I like I say I had a couple of goes recently. That whole thing about the um about it being uh, a vertical kind of uh, monitor setup, mm. so, yeah, scrolling horizontally is I can't put in the words how frustrating that is. It's like when some, <laughs> it's like if I go on Reddit and somebody videos a street fight and they do it in, and they do it in portrait, not horizontal. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Everybody just moves out of focus all the time. That was the that, that was the thing. And what's the deal with like blowing stuff up to collect it? It does no not make scientific sense. I used to, None. I think I justified it in my head with some kind of 
smart. I mean, again, bear in mind, I was nine. This yeah. was 1981. But I was thinking about the bomb had some kind of power to vaporize the fuel and the ship was then yeah. kind of sucking it up as it flew past. Yeah, kind of thing. I think the ship, the ship has pores uh, and it sucks in the, <laughs> sucks in the, the molten yeah. fuel. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I played this very briefly on the MSX uh, back in the days, but that was, of course, not an official version because most of the home uh, home versions of Scramble were not official. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, later in the 80s already, towards the end of the 80s. Uh, we didn't put that much time in it, but I got a Vectrex card of this as well, and it's very fascinating. Because this is the, to my knowledge, of the time, the only officially licensed home port of Scramble. Mm. Uh, yeah. It has the, uh, it, it, on the back of the cartridge, it has, it has uh, Konami uh, copyright um, yeah, liner on there as well. And so that's a 1982 game uh, with a license by, uh, by Konami. And it's a very lovely version because it's basically the same game. Um, less intense, less stuff on the screen, but uh, completely recreated uh, with uh, vector graphics. And um, very accurately so, actually. Mm. The the physics are spot on. Uh, The level layouts are are pretty much the same. Uh, Maybe the loop is a little bit shorter than the arcade version that could be, but Mm. it's uh, it's pretty much, yeah, like a, a very... Nicely recreated vector version of uh, of the original Scramble. So I watched uh, watched your videos of this. These are on your own YouTube channel, and uh, you d- d- so like is it like all Vectrex games? It has some kind of clip on overlay for the screen. Is that right? Yeah, it does. I put on an overlay for that one. That's that's one that I had an overlay of. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so Stern distributed this in North America, and it's uh, it's got a couple of slight tweaks. Regional variations are something which uh, are present throughout this uh, series as as we go on. It was distributed by various different companies around the world, Layjack or Lijack in Japan, along with Konami themselves, and uh, different different people in different places. Milton Bradley helped with the European um, distribution, apparently. So um, That's probably because they... I mean, that's probably why they got on the Vectrex, they got an official yeah, port. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Bradley did that as well, yeah. But yeah, it was... Um, no doubt like it's not necessarily in terms of playing it today it's not a game that i adore going back to it it's not timeless as timeless for me as gallagher say but uh there is still i still find it enjoyable and exciting it was definitely while everything still had a score attached to it because it was an early 80s arcade game this was i know what cmvg means it was the it was the mm. it was one of the first games that I played where I was I I didn't really care about the score I was seeing how far I could get and that that sort of taunt on the title screen how far can you invade our scramble system it was very yeah. much about can you can you get to the end of the loop and even back then as a kid I probably didn't get very far and I can now get to the the final is it it's section E I think I think it's it's just A B C D and E isn't it the the five segments. Yeah. Um, and E is sort of man-made tunnels where you very much, it's very much designed to finish you off if you don't know the route through. You have to kind of, pr- you can't react to what's coming. You have to prepare because the scrolling yeah. is so, uh, swift compared to the movement of your ship and some of the the ducking and the diving you need to do uh to to get through these tiny little gaps which are barely wider than than your ship's hitbox uh they they still finish me off yeah the secret is that you if you just hang back at the 
back of the screen and try to steer up and down you're not going to make that's it. right you need to move forward ahead and then and then pull and then pull back so you have yeah. Yeah. let's say the full uh horizontal space of the screen to pull pull uh to fly fly back and down at yeah. the same time so you can just about make and your instinct it's very, is it's telling very you tight. hang back and see what's yeah. coming yeah so yeah. then you're done for and, if you hang, uh, hang back you're done and for to it. be yeah. honest that exact philosophy comes back in virtually every gradius game at some point mm. there's mm-hmm. there's a level or more than one level in many of the later games i was playing gradius 5 last night there's a level 5 i think it is which is full of this um green liquid which is pouring down around you there's loads of sections where you have to die in between tiny gaps of scenery and uh, get in just yeah. the right place to survive the next few seconds of action. So it's always, uh, it's a game that encourages you to be on the front foot. And I suppose having watched super plays of all kinds of vintage Japanese arcade games and even contemporary shmups, actually knowing what's coming and learning, and Ben will attest to this with his R-Type clear, is half the battle. Like th- these games demand a for me are too high above my skill ceiling level of memory memorization and execution and fine motor skills but playing them and playing them and playing them and again as as you've seen me kill playing the nes version of gradius recently you can kind of compensate for a maybe if there is a lack of ability like in my case you can compensate to an extent by not with knowledge knowledge is power yeah. and all that and with the konami code <laughs> and with the Konami code. Not in Scramble, though, sadly. Yeah. Uh, I suppose the other thing that was really notable at the time was the the fact that it you had the, the two weapons simultaneously. The thing that was exciting about this is, uh, again, it's very hard to throw myself back to nine years old now that I'm nearly 48, but the common thing to, to to experience for me in, in video game arcades at this point okay there were exceptions like games with smart bombs and whatever else but the idea that you could just constantly you had an unlimited amount of firepower on two buttons both shooting ahead of you with your pea shooter gun and your bombs which you had to kind of aim as they arced down and, and had sort of some uh, semblance of simulated gravity that was exciting and the other thing mm. was as well we talked in the uh, Gallagher podcast about Galaxian and Gallagher about how exciting Gallagher made it that you could have up to four projectiles on screen at one time albeit two two blasts of two in scramble you have really rapid fire by contemporary video game standards in that you can have four bullets at any one time so it really feels mm. like you're you know pumping out as almost a machine gun rat-a-tat against a lot of the popcorn enemies that you get in the uh, on the ground the rockets and in, yeah. in the air in some of the stages so this sort of starts to speak to what would come for the future of horizontally scrolling and vertically scrolling shmups in that it was a lot of it was the satisfaction of being able to pop things yeah and you need to vary also between uh how quickly you fire for example in the the cave section with Mm. sort of the ufos yeah you actually don't want to hit that rapid fire you want to sort of space your shots out because if you fire too fast and you miss one of those things they can land right on top Absolutely. of you so it's, it's it's sort of you start alternate or you start chasing up your pace of, uh, of shooting in there to to do well there and that's a v- another strategy which comes back 
time and time again in this series and in fact a lot of the home versions of these games allow you to set uh, set an auto fire rapid auto fire to save you from having to hammer the buttons like you would do at the arcades which is welcome in a lot of ways but it's it's easy to over rely on that and you can still get caught even in the modern games which allow yeah. you many 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 projectiles on screen you can still find yourself having shot off four lasers simultaneously and then you've got this horrible like even if it's only half a second gap with no firepower it's enough mm. to die in a game with this many enemies and bullets in i think this has fairly iconic sound like the graphics seem pretty simple and i don't remember being other than the colors seeming very bright and bold back in 1981 i don't remember i remember the graphics being neat i think the explosions were looked very high res but it was mm. mainly the sound that uh, that stood out to me as a child playing this it was uh, really throaty bassy bomb sounds and that sort of constant smashing of uh of missiles as you blasted your way through them and yes this once you get to section c i think it is with the indestructible floating rocks or whatever they're supposed to be uh and they make it mm. yeah they make a kind of sinister wavering cycling noise which and again um i think a lot of that stuff you can see in later games in the series with uh, volcanoes spewing down from above and and things like that but yes it actually took after super cobra another four years for konami to release the game that was in development and uh, under the title of scramble 2 at one stage and the man we have to thank for this series and arguably probably every horizontally scrolling shooter since is Hiroyasu Machiguchi who uh, also went on to work on the Silent Scope series for Konami did also work on Gradius 3 and 4 and Vulcan Venture so he was with the series for a while he was born in 1960 so he was uh, 25 when this game came out joined Konami in 83 and at age 23 became team leader for the Gradius Development Group. This is from an interview in Game Hiyu in September 99. He says, I joined Konami sometime around 1982 or 83. When I joined, I didn't really like games that much, or rather, I didn't know much about them. After being hired, I had to learn everything about games from step one. I learned most everything on the job as we went along, even basic things like what we call the element of gameplay. I started out as a designer, but after a while it was determined I didn't have any talent for that. So I got reinstated as a programmer. <laughs> That's how it worked back then. <laughs> when I was hired, Konami was working hard to transition from making metal games to video games, and a lot of projects ended up getting shelved. As a result, the first game I actually released publicly was Gradius. I was given a team to work with, but since you definitely can't make a game with your own, only your own ideas, I started off by asking everyone what kind of game they wanted to make. To my surprise, everyone responded STG. That's shooting, those who don't know. And with that, we began planning. At the time, it was the golden age of Namco's Xevious or Xevious. I've heard both. And everyone was driven by the enthusiastic sentiment that if we're going to make a shooting game, let's surpass Xevious. As for our choice to make a horizontal scroller, it was because we had materials for scramble and decided to reuse those as much as possible. In fact, Gradius originally started as Scramble 2. The development period for Gradius took about a year, and all the while it was a process of continual experimentation and refinement. Uh, so yeah, um, who remembers Gradius or Nemesis? Yeah, Nemesis, I remember. Um, yeah. I used to, in the summer holidays, I used to come and visit my auntie and cousins for like a week. I think it was just to sort of give a break to to parents and what, and um, 
just hang out somewhere else, like a sort of mm. holiday, but without the holiday. Do you know what I mean? Like a, a cheap, easy holiday. And mm. um, the leisure center had two arcade machines. They always had Arkanoid. Um, and while uh, it eventually got replaced with Sidearms, uh, the other one I remember is they had Nemesis Stroke yeah. Gradius. It's the first one I remember having like that sort of metallic look. We've spoken about it on other shows for other yes. games, but that um, for mm. some reason, just I don't know, don't know how it's done. Uh, like I don't know the artistic process behind it, but the things have a sort of metallic sheen and just this. It's sort just of greys and whites. I was looking yeah. at this really closely. I've been playing uh, Gradius super close up via the Switch version, sitting at a computer monitor, and I turned all the filters off. You know, CRT filters, and. I was actually coming to terms with the fact that my I can never not see this as shiny metal. I cannot yeah. not see the the mm. Vic Viper and most of the enemies as shiny metal ships. But actually, if you pause it and look closely, it's just sort of white and grey lines of pixels. It's so simple, but it's so... And t- yeah. to me, maybe, I don't know, maybe if you took somebody who isn't from the time and wasn't smitten with this game back in the day they would go ooh but to me i think the game still looks <laughs> exceptionally good it's one of those things where the scan lines help sell it like with the shading on other yes. games where um sometimes somehow it sort of blurs the edges enough to change the perception of it yeah yeah ben ne- uh, nemesis or uh, did you i mean again i know you're slightly younger but um old enough probably for nemesis to still be knocking around in arcades or do you remember any of the home versions yeah i do remember the home version actually but yeah i obviously uh staying a character for this uh this podcast i obviously pirated the spectrum version um from a yeah <laughs> from a friend of a friend of my brother's uh, i remember playing it quite mm-hmm. a lot i remember um trying to get quite good at it but not being old enough to kind of uh realize that like, like you said earlier like memorization and, and this is for me is one of the one of those games where um, I accept the fact that if I'm going to get good at it, it's going to take uh, time. Like I'm not going to have, I'm not going to just randomly have a good run without putting, do you know what I mean? Without putting the work in first. So I know no, you, about no. boss patterns. Right. Or I know about, I can't, Yeah, I can't get past a certain point on reflexes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I can't, I, mm-hmm. it's, it just, it just kind of, uh, it just kind of yeah. doesn't work like that. But yeah, like I say, I played the, the Spectrum Vision quite a lot. And then, um, Later on, a couple of years ago, coming back to it for um, I, I played the uh, uh, NES version uh, for yeah. the channel. That was very good. Did a no death on that. Um, did a no death on the arcade version uh, at home and never recorded it. Spent a, cu- spent Ooh, a couple, yeah, a spent a couple of days wow. getting getting my head around and got got a really good no death. And halfway through the second loop as well, and then um, I thought to myself, I shall record this and do this properly. And then, no word of a lie, about two days later. I went to work uh, and my, my boss wasn't there and I was watching uh, I was watching some long plays and uh, I stumbled on that guy's uh, Ghouls and Ghosts video. So I was like, oh, I'll play this instead. And so I never went back to it. Uh, I never went back to arcade. Uh, arcade kind <laughs> of gratis, see, really. There are a lot of people who are making these claims who I would doubt and dispute, but in your case, absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas it took me until I think it was probably around 2015 to finally get an even semi-legitimate clear on the original Nemesis or Gradius. Uh, I was, I I would say this may be the first video game chronologically that I was truly obsessed with. This was the game mm. that I used to go down the arcades thinking about playing rather than I am going to the arcades and I will play whatever cool stuff is there. I was like, I'm going to play Nemesis. And it's the game that I would dream about having a decent home version of on my way home. There were a couple of, not great knockoffs for the computer I had back back then, the Atari 8-bit. I used to absolutely covet the 
reasonably well received but actually quite bad Commodore 64 port by Imagine I remember it getting 80% in Zap and me thinking oh my god I could have Nemesis at home but I've been watching footage of those Commodore 64 and Spectrum versions now and thinking I'm kind of glad I never had those versions Um, Mm. and I still get um, a, a bit of a crazy buzz when when I realised that, and it's been the case for almost twenty years now since the Saturn compilation came out, that I can play the arcade perfect versions at home. It still blows my mind a bit. I could just fire up my Switch now. In fact, I could be playing it while I'm talking, an arcade perfect mm. version in my hand, um, emulated by Hamster. But uh, yeah, it was it was it's hard to overstate just how important this game was in my burgeoning love affair with video games it wasn't the first but it was certainly one where it was that it was the fact that you had the options and you could power up to this crazy level these these drones that flew out behind you and these amazingly penetrative blue beams of laser light which could cut through swathes of aliens simultaneously the triumphant Mm -hmm. music very defender like right yeah but i was you know defender was just way too hard for me so although this game was challenging and i could never get i think at the arcades i never really got past level three probably or four maybe on a good day um i could absolutely i could clear level one without losing a life of this game after playing it for not very long level one is always pretty much it's not the easiest level ones in video gaming but i would say most of the gradius level ones designed to be beaten without losing a life after a few practice goes it's yeah. level two and beyond where things start to get silly and level four and beyond where for many mere mortals, it's it's just beyond what's capable. But I was always just intrigued by uh, what what was coming up. It had this, you know, this deep, rich parallax scrolling background with these sparkling stars. And I remember, I think the attract mode featured a bit from the Moai stage as well. Yeah. So... Well, that looked intriguing, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, these these heads spitting discs of flashing coloured doom at you. It was just intoxicating. The developers said they were not only inspired by Xevious, but also Star Wars. And of course, I was a Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back and I guess Return of the Jedi by this stage, mad kid. And yeah, talking about wanting to be the pilot, you know, just be the... Yeah. I, it felt like in this game, obviously we'd already had the 3D, the Vector Graphics Atari Star Wars game, which was wonderful. But somehow this sold the feeling of being a cool space fighter pilot just as well albeit from a different a very different perspective and instead of just mere tie fighters which were you know great and everything it had all these weird ooky blobby aliens and yeah promises of biomechanical stages and all this kind of crazy stuff so yeah yeah it's interesting you what you say about Star Wars being an influence as well. Come to think of it, that whole shooting the core business is very reminiscent of the Death Star trench yeah, run right. and dumping your uh, missiles on, on that tiny weak spot. Totally. Right? So I thought what we'd do is we'll probably spend less time with the sequels and uh, more time with this original Gradius because it essentially bakes and presents the formula for the rest of the series, give or take some changes which we'll talk about some additions yeah additions and and arguably subtractions as well but uh the recurring signature elements to the gradius games are protecting 
the the planet Gradius from the evil Bacterians in the far future, normally about 6,600 AD. It's set in, you know, crazy future times. Uh, but again, you could definitely be forgiven for not knowing the plot or backstory. And I think this is only really expanded out in the home, some of the home versions, the home manuals yeah. and, and uh, presentations. And there are later OVAs, like uh, anime. Yeah, uh, for sure. Released about Gradius as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I watched a few of those a couple of years back. Okay. Uh, the Vic Viper is uh, the, you know, the iconic uh, main ship. And again, one of the things I remember being so taken by at the time was the fact that it tilted up and down as you moved it up and down the screen. Again, thinking about uh, scramble the ship just looked the same wherever it was on the screen and uh and this was one of the first games i played where the the wing banked up and down as you moved the ship and it was it just felt so exciting and funnily enough despite the hitbox in this game being very large and <laughs> by by contemporary shmup standards it was also one of the first games i played where the hitbox wasn't the exact same size as the sprite so yeah. you could very occasionally get away with an overlapping wingtip or something like that which again seemed like luxury at the time and made it feel like a very friendly experience compared to earlier games but right now playing it in 2020 and even compared to some of the games later in the series the hitbox feels cruel <laughs> uh yeah Power-up tokens are probably the thing which identifies this game, this series of games, more than anything else. Um, the series has a series of boxes along the bottom of the screen normally. Sometimes there's two sets for when it is simultaneous two-player modes are, are supported. And some of the later games in the series allow you to edit these uh, these options, Gradius Gaiden. You can even change the order in which you your tokens activate stuff but traditionally and normally it's speed up and you can normally do that a number of times then missile then double which is a twin shot including a 45 degree angled up blast laser is your big long devastating toothpaste of death option or multiple in the western versions are your four pods and finally there is a barrier or shield which in the in the first game is uh, two big orbs which attach to the front of your ship and offer you no protection from the rear. But from the second game onwards, you have the option of a weaker but covering uh, shield, which includes the top and back of your ship. One merciful thing about the NES version, uh, which is the version that I mm. uh, yeah, started out with playing, uh, and I've only played the arcade version much more recently for the first time, um, is that the the... It's the same looking, sort of looking shield with the two sort of orbs in front of your ship, but it offers you full protection right. uh, against, five, against five hits. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's quite. I've played a little bit of the NES version on the Switch Online service, and I really, I'm not a big fan of it. But because uh, compared to the arcade version, it doesn't look as nice. It doesn't have as many options, and yada yada. But I can see it was a a, a very competent and thoughtfully made port but it's got some weird things like the enemy behaviors like the the like even the first enemies kind of lurch on and lurch off the screen before you've really had time to <laughs> to deal with them and stuff but i'm sure you can uh as you've proved mikhil you can acclimatize to those changes yeah and i actually admit that's also because that's the version i grew up playing yeah of course. Uh, i really love the way it looks actually i think it's it's interesting to me that the sprites look very different from their arcade counterparts, yeah. but I think they have a very 
charming 8-bit design all in, all in themselves. So everything looks maybe a little bit cuter than yeah, uh, the Yeah, they couldn't do the is. metallic stuff with the no. palette they had and the resolution. Yeah. yeah. So from that same interview in 99, Machiguchi says, another thing we struggled with was the power-up gauge. This was the most difficult. We also tried out a system where you pick up individual items like a speed-up and a missile, but it somehow wasn't very satisfying. We wanted to give the players freedom in their choices, not just the choice of whether to pick up an item or not pick it up, but something more detailed. So we figured we'd have players pick up power-ups that they could store but we really struggled with how they would be used and what kind of selection system there would be. We got a flash of inspiration from the way the function keys on personal computers at the time were laid out. It was their layout and arrangement that gave us the image for the power-up gauge. After that, we made the power-up button. At that time, there were almost no three-button control panels, so we also made a two-button version of Gradius, but as we expected, it wasn't very fun. In the end, after thinking about the player's responses from the location test, we decided on the three-button setup. So it's interesting, they went back on this with Salamander, where you pick up your weapons directly, which was the next game released in the series, and... They also added the ability to semi-auto select your own weapons in further instalments. So they did kind of retreat on some of those tenets, but they are still there as well. Ben, you've uh, so you've cleared this game. Um, let's talk about the management of power-ups. This is probably the the key element to the game, and one of the, the also the element that I think probably never even really got talked about at the time, but is very noticeable if you're aware of it. This game, much like a lot of games that came many years later, such as Resident Evil 4, has a behind-the-scenes ranking system, which alters the difficulty of the game depending on how well you're doing and how powered up your ship is. So there are reasons to maybe not even fully power up your ship so some player if you watch good playthroughs you watch some players don't even collect all four options because it makes the enemies more aggressive it means there are more enemies with faster bullets and it can actually be a hindrance rather than a help to fully power up your ship that said my approach has always been you know bring it on but ben you've completed the game you said no death uh arcade no death yeah and uh, arcade NES, no death so yes no death so Okay, so in the arcade, how how do you manage that? Did did you did you play any games with this ranking system, or did you just just power up and barrel on through? No, I, I tried to get um, I tried to get to two options to start with, um, then get missiles, and then it's kind of manageable from there. Really, you can kind of do what you want, but it's going to get that harder. It's like it's 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 kind of I don't know. For me, it's kind of a bit kind of negotiable really in terms of waiting for mm-hmm. power-ups and stuff like that because you being more powered up makes sections easier because there's stuff on screen's got less chance of hitting you so i mean yeah. it's it's a it's a real kind of uh, risk a uh, risk reward thing it's dead interesting that, that you said about like uh konami doing this and obviously like uh, I, I, I said before i did the i beat the um i beat the turtles arcade which is konami as well obviously on Ooh. one credit and that's yeah. a much later arcade but it runs a similar thing that uh, yeah. if you don't die for ages, that it um, ups the difficulty setting um, to a point where if you haven't died for too long, it sticks it to multiplayer difficulty. So when you get to like the end of levels, there'll be like <laughs> three pizzas or four pizzas because it's like four player difficulty. Um, but oh, it's, it's <clears throat> yeah, it's it's mad to think that they were doing that um, that technology yeah. and that that was so forward thinking that they could do that in the uh, they could do that in, in kind of eighty five. But uh, the the thing for me is most people the the mistake I see most people make is to to prioritize um, getting the laser as quick as possible. 
um, which for, mm. for, for me, because it just looks cool, doesn't it? You want the best and weapon. And feels great. Yeah, of course but- it does. And it looks cool and you want to be what's it. But getting like two options is, is for, for me personally, mm. for the clears that I've done, uh, getting a couple of options is is kind of priority, and then working out um, working out what I, what I need to do uh, kind of from there. So I've never like I've never uh, played a run where I've deliberately not powered up in a certain in a kind of certain way. But it's dead interesting okay. that it does it. Uh, it's dead interesting yeah. that it does do that. One of the key differences between Gradius and the Western Nemesis is that Nemesis immediately dumps a load of red enemies uh, when you respawn, so that you can. Mm hoover up some icons and get powered up again but by the same token nemesis also its mathematics its algorithms working in the background are much harsher so if you get to the first boss of nemesis you will notice that the bullets the mothership fires at you are about four times the speed of the japanese version for example so there's some there's some real differences there and um it's debatable which version is easier the original gradius or or nemesis there there's some uh, push and pull there interesting yeah yeah um if you go to listener or you folks if you're interested if you go to the cutting room net slash nemesis there is a hugely complicated mathematical mechanical breakdown of the movement and bullet speeds of all the enemies in the game <laughs> and uh and <laughs> what dictates were what um what movement they're set to depending on how many lives you've got how many options you've got what level you're on what loop you're on and so on and so forth that's another thing that this game is known for is loops which is for those people who can get to the end of course you immediately go back round to the start uh, normally after an end sequence that involves you blowing up a ship and flying away as the explosion goes on behind you in a cool fashion uh, normally loop two onwards is significantly harder still including what in Resogun they call revenge bullets which is basically everything shoots as it dies or, or give or take so you've just got a it becomes pretty much from loop two every every game in this series is a bullet hell game if it wasn't before a little wrinkle they added in the second game is the option hunter i'd never even seen this until recently because i'd never got as far (laughs) into gradius 2 as you need to see it but it keeps making a comeback uh with a little alarm going on yeah it comes on the left of the screen and tracks you and tries to nip on and eat one or more of your options. It At very inopportune moments, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of times during boss fights where you already try to dodge a it's lot of It's so stuff. cruel. I assume it does the rank down when it nicks an option, so there is that potential gain, but losing one of your options is is a heartbreak. I suppose the option we should also say is possibly... Uh, possibly the inspiration for R-Type's Force in that it was the f- uh, uh, probably not the only, but one of the first games that had a an item which matched the ship's movement or close to it and you were in control of it, but was safe. It, it didn't, it couldn't die, basically. And it could be used as a shield by sort of sneaky manoeuvring and what have you. Yeah, well, you can use it. it. It doesn't actually shield you, but you can, if you draw the four options around you so if you do a little spin and then sit in the middle of your four options if you keep firing constantly it sort of acts as a uh yeah uh it's tantamount to a shield i suppose yeah yeah or a little roof over your head kind of thing sometimes (laughs) yeah um, uh, bullets from above 
bosses are another thing the the game is famous for. Now, the the first game, it's mainly the f- the the one boss over and over again, with a couple of exceptions, I think. Uh, but I still love the look of that boss. The NES version is tiny compared to the arcade version. It's a funny little thing. And yeah, shoot the core, shoot it in the head, shoot the eye. Uh, I mean, the the boss fights in this are apart from the final boss, another series trope is that the final boss in all of these games is ludicrously easy it doesn't even fire at you in many cases it's a pathetic thing that needs to be put yeah. out of its misery so it's it's thrown all of its bacterian forces at you and now all that's left is a head that sits on the ground with some tentacles coming out of it and you just blast them off but yeah every yeah. every boss prior to that um and including some fairly lengthy boss rushes requires you to shoot away these multiple metal barriers and get your shots into the core some enemies are actually quicker killed with the regular shots rather than the lasers it's worth saying as well mm. um but yeah uh maybe funny detail also about the uh, final bosses is that they're being made fun of and referenced in bangayo by treasure uh as in the core gang which is a oh, uh, family yeah. of useless bosses that don't fight back <laughs> when you uh, go at them yeah. i've totally forgotten that yeah um so yeah the i would say the the sort of the standard classic nemesis gradius boss is you know you, you're simply looping up and down the screen you kind of lure it towards you it it fires a block of missiles and you dodge and you continue to shoot you've got the options trailing behind you so you continue to batter away at its shields and ideally and, and nominally uh or optimally these these boss fights only last a few seconds in many cases if you've got mm-hmm. if you've got the power-ups if you haven't uh, not so much. And if you're playing, I know, Mikhail, you've been banging your head up against a boss rush <laughs> that comes at the end yeah. of level two in yeah. uh, in Gradius 5, which is extremely uh, cruel, I would say. Yeah. I mean, I love that game. We'll talk more about it. But there's a boss rush of four bosses at the end of level two. Yeah. And yeah. if it's basically it's the, you know, the Ninja Gaiden guy that says if you're not good enough then don't bother playing on. It's that guy, mm. the guy with the with, with yeah, the nunchucks. Yeah. The nunchucks. It's yeah, yeah. it's that moment, isn't it? It's uh, you can continue mm. through it by default, and in fact, Gradius Five brings back the salamander style instant restart. Although you can turn that off and go to a checkpoint system if you're insane. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, so tell me your thoughts on on gradius bosses nemesis bosses so as i say mikhil you've having you're having some you you were a bit glum in fact after trying to play through this on uh, just the other day yeah because i expected more of myself well, that's that's more i don't mean to bring up, a, <laughs> bring up those sore feelings again <laughs> but it's look don't yeah. as i said at the time don't be hard on yourself these games are challenging and that yeah. that section, I guess you're just playing. Are you playing on normal default difficulty? Exactly. Default it's really. It's. Yeah. I mean, I'm no. I'm not the best, but I'm yeah. not the worst, and it's tough. It's rough. It's rough. Yeah. yeah. That uh, that final uh, fourth boss, but we'll talk more about Gradius Five. We will. Uh, yeah, but the fi- final fourth boss in that rush is uh, is a real killer. Yeah. The other three I got figured yes. out. Um. Yeah, but the the funny thing about the first Gradius is, of course, that you. You have to fight the exact, in one exception, you have to fight the exact same boss yeah. at the end of every mm-hmm. stage, right? Yeah. Um, in the NES version, as opposed to the um, arcade version, it fires missiles instead of lasers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it leaves a lot of gaps, and more often than not, 
you can sort of sit in between where it uh, fires its volleys of missiles yeah. and sort of stay in that position and fire at it. And another interesting detail about those uh, prototype core bosses, because the cores would come back in all the other uh, greatest games later on, is that if, let's say, you, you don't come there armed to the teeth and you don't manage to shoot it down in time, the bosses actually time out and they explode by themselves. You just don't get the points yes. for it. Yeah. 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 Ben, I'm interested. So a couple of comparisons I'd like from you as somebody who has uh, has done this and done it well, at least in the first game. Um, firstly, would you say that there's a difference in terms of how you play and approach the skills, the strategies compared to the bosses of our type? But then I'm also interested in, for those who aren't familiar with this genre of games or these ancient 2D horizontally scrolling shoot 'em ups what you would how you would describe them in terms of similarities and differences to contemporary games design or even contemporary boss fights the thing with i don't know like the, the only thing i've got with with a lot of gradis bosses for me is like i do think a lot of them are quite unmemorable like i, I don't mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's the strongest element of the, of the whole kind of the whole kind of package like when i play it like i kind of almost forget and then i'm like oh yeah there's a boss here it's like it's not <laughs> it's not like like in our type, it's something completely different. Like you get everything sonically, it's different. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you yeah. get to like uh, that bit on uh, level six with like the dops, like the uh, the uh, mechanical things that come down, and that music comes mm. on, and you're like seconds away from dying at every point. Like that's memorable, or like the the dub keratops or any of those bosses are like instantly, instantly kind of memorable. Um, the 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 bosses, especially in the first gradies for me, like the bosses are a. Uh, uh, pretty kind of pretty generic and a lot of them as well mm. um you don't even have to move um like uh, yeah. so you can just position yourself uh or you very minimal movement especially if you've got all the options um mm. you don't really have to kind of you don't really have to move kind of too much so it's weird like when i do um when i do uh something like r type like i need i need perfect execution on all the bosses and i'm and i'm like when i get to a boss I feel like my heart getting a bit faster and I'm kind of psyched and, and like I understand that I'm going to have to do like something kind of perfect in order to get through. With bosses on Gradius, it's kind of the opposite. Like I get there and like my heart rate slows down a little bit and I know the fact that it's probably unlikely that I'm going to die. And as long as I'm kind of, as long as I know exact, as long as I know what not to do, I can kind of make a, a mistake here or there. And it, nine times out of 10, as long as it's not anything stupid, uh, it doesn't kind of cost me. It doesn't kind of cost me too much. So it's a really different. Uh, it's a really different, uh, really kind of different approach. And when I look at like the clear, the clear I got in the arcade version. If I break down percentages of where I was dying, like um, 90, 90% of it is is uh, in levels, is mm-hmm. certain bits in levels or near the end. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if I look at like you, you say something like R type, um, if I'm looking at where I'm dying there. Um, it's kind of a lot more kind of i don't know 70 30 kind of a lot of the bosses are are, are kind of our type of especially the later ones you know i mean the boss of level five can move completely at random like the boss of level four can fire a couple of lasers and do a few different things doesn't fo- always follow the same path um do you know what mm. i mean so there's a lot more kind of things that can um there's a lot more things that can go wrong and it feels like more of a it feels like more of a, a kind of experience really whereas with this i'm just like okay like, do you know what I mean? Get to a safe place, fire all my lasers, get a cup of tea. Like my <laughs> my year, the next bit's yeah. gonna start, and that's 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 I the think- thing for me. Like, I, I don't, I don't kind of, I don't ramp up to a boss in 
Gradius. I kind of ramp mm. down. I ramp up to a boss in R type. Mm. Like it's like I get a big kind of a big kind of preparatory rush of adrenaline as a as that music kind of kicks in and I'm like, right, here we go. I think also in the first Gradius, it's very much the blueprint, right? The, the bosses are kind of like almost they feel more placeholder yeah. in, in comparison to the bosses bosses later in the series. Like, okay, we got this boss here and, and here it comes again. Uh but the th- interesting thing about the first grade is, is that you've got these panic sections before the boss fights yeah. that don't consistently come back anymore later in the series. Uh, you know, for uh, stage one has the, mm. the volcanoes, stage two has the sort of the stealth cloaked ships that yeah. uh, appear out of nowhere and rush you. Uh, stage three has these uh, this globule yeah. ship. Five, that launch, five brings uh, these bots. sections back. Uh, yeah. to an extent and to an extent but not to that extent no. yeah. and I, actually I think that's the place where I first became aware of the the, the ranking system behind the scenes because the mm. cubes the stealth cubes on level 2 if you've recently died you get a tiny handful of those uh, yeah. if you've got full power ups and you've got and you haven't lost a life there are loads and they can appear right underneath you and uh, yeah. and it yeah it makes makes a huge difference I s- one bit that could really end my run even when i was fully powered up uh on nes gradius is uh actually that exact panic section bef- uh, after the moai stage mm. where if you if you are fully powered up you get so many more of those ships falling in quick successions yeah. and they sort of track you you can't really try to outfly them without running into other trouble so you have to take them down before you reach them and they can wreck your shield also very quickly mm. so if you if you're that that is one bit where you have to be super on point with your execution and then afterwards the boss is fairly smooth sailing again and i suppose the difference for me thinking about the look and the the nature of the boss in the first game when I saw it for the first time in probably in 1985 compared to what was around at the time, it was one of the biggest on-screen things I'd seen Yeah, and it was shiny and it was metallic and it had this cool thing that you shot away. So I perhaps formed a bond with it there. I think, yes, maybe if I I saw that for the first time now, I'd be like, eh, but it's become quite iconic for me in my head because it was, uh, it was a big deal at the time. So even though it repeated, I quite liked that idea that they kept sending out these, uh, these same kind of ships to try to deal with you. Um, yeah, but it does throw you, <laughs> let's try it again. Throw you for a loop because there's a, there's a, there's a sort of biomechanoid boss after the, yeah. the, the, the level that's covered in webby stuff. Uh, and to be very fair, uh, Gradius came out two years before R-Type came out. And you can bet that oh, for the sure. designers of, of R-Type were specifically trying to outdo Gradius. And I had seen uh, other, obviously Phoenix is one of the, the oft-cited examples of an early boss in a game which had this massive mothership on it, albeit mm-hmm. quite simply coloured, and you had to shoot your way through to the core of that. So I'm sure this took um, inspiration from Phoenix as well. And other games had had little sudden uh, interruptions from bosses by this point, but they tended to be quite small on screen this was just that bit chunkier and had that bit more kind of presence about it somehow uh yeah at least in the arcade we've already mentioned the high difficulty level and we'll probably talk about it more as we go through uh, and the adaptive difficulty i suppose one of the signature elements of these games for me is the suddenness of death um yeah. the ignomin- ignominy ign- ignominious nature of death and the heavy punishment of death in these games mm. so 
there is very little fanfare when you die in this game. I noticed watching the footage of the Commodore 64 version, for whatever reason, they decided to put in a little uh, one of those bits where if you get hit, you kind of you, you go into flames and your ship kind of spins down off the screen and lands on the bottom. And it feels kind of a bit more like, ah, you know, it feels a bit more cinematic. The thing about death in Gradius Nemesis is that it's just very, very unspectacular and just everything just stops and this little diamond appears. There's no big explosion. There's no mm. ceremony to it. It's very like, yeah. 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 Like a thump and, kind of yeah. Dumb. Yeah. And, and, and before it happens, when you're properly powered up, you feel so powerful yeah. and almost invincible, right? Yeah. And it, it can just be such a buzzkill. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, the heavy punishment. Um, so not only are you stripped of all your weapons, although that varies again in some of the sequels, they, the, some of the games power, power you down and things like that. But, um, in the original, you lose everything. Absolutely everything. Yeah. And in the original ROM, the Japanese ROM, you just carry on from a checkpoint. Whereas, as I say, in Nemesis, it offers you up a, a little plate of a little smorgasbord of red icons to get yourself back in the game if you can. Uh, according to that interview we've already quoted from, thank you to shmuplations.com for their amazing translation work. Support them on Patreon as we do. In Gradius, when you die, you're sent back several screens to a checkpoint. The truth is that wasn't in our original game design plans. The background data would be loaded three screens at a time, and then the next background data would be transferred. But when that transfer would get interrupted in the middle by a player death to allow time for the background data to be transferred, we had to send the player back three screens. We had to do that due to memory issues, but it ended up leading us to the interesting recovery pattern system. So it was all for the best. Mm. Or was it? According to Hardcore, Hardcore Gaming 101, it leads to a problem unofficially known as Gradius Syndrome. When the Vic Viper is fully powered up, the game tends to be pretty easy. It can still be destroyed if you're not careful, upon which it loses all weapons and starts the segment with nothing. With the standard weapons, the ship is weak and some areas prove far too difficult under these circumstances. There is a rank system where enemies fire faster and more numerous bullets based on how many weapons are activated, but it never Never quite manages to restore the balance. So, panel, what are your feelings on Gradius death and the Gradius syndrome? It's what's driven me mad this past week, to be honest. Right. Um, <laughs> I always get to a certain point. It's usually like third level, I think, where it, I get towards the end of the level, and it's a point where it, when it restarts me, it's at a point where, for my skills, there is just no coming back. And uh, for each of them, I've sort of given myself like between half an hour and an hour, like 30 to 50 tries, say. And <laughs> by that point, just knocked it on the head. If I've been still stuck on this one, one section, trying to plan out different ways of playing the three or four power-ups that you get before the boss or, or whatever in, in any of these games, it's, um, this has been what's highlighted the lack of my skills to me. <laughs> yeah. So Ben, when you were playing for a, a no death, one credit, Kill. Were you even playing on after you died, or was it just no, like it was pointless? There you go. Pointless. Right. Absolutely pointless. And that's like, I don't know. It's 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 a it's a double edged sword with with these kind of with a lot of these games and games like this. Like, um, uh, no death's easier nine times out of ten, but it's still impossibly difficult. Like, uh, uh, a one credit of something like uh, Gradius or R type or anything like that is 
infinitely more difficult than doing it no death um because those powering back up kind of sections are just they're not only kind of uh really kind of unforgiving but they're so incredibly precise and uh like the amount of enemies that you've kind of got on screen um if you had a regular like if you look at the first kind of first couple of levels of most shoot 'em ups the the enemy density isn't that much like it it wants you to kind of get used to the get used to what everything does and get powered up and get comfortable with everything before it throws the kind of kitchen sink at you the problem is is the fact that when you get to a point where you die, maybe three, like Dan said, or four levels in or something, and you start again, the game doesn't go, oh, it's all right, you just have half the enemies. It doesn't work mm. like that. Like, as much as maybe it alters the difficulty a tiny bit, you've still got all these things to negotiate, which were tough when you were fully powered up. So with no power-ups, are and yeah. are kind of uh, very difficult, incredibly So you difficult may as power. well learn to no-death the game that as and one credit it as as learn how to to battle your way through unless like me in the second game in a series you use save states because you couldn't possibly do it any other way i don't know like i don't know what the what the deal is with it like with me personally with these games like i don't know if i i i've probably beaten more there's very few shoot 'em ups i think i've beaten one credit like of of all the shoot 'em ups i've done i've probably beaten most of them no death just because of that like you say, it's with Gradius is a great example of that. There's no kind of fanfare, is there, when you die? Like it's just that that horrible droning kind of bleep. All the music stops. Everything that, stops. Yeah, everything yep. stops. You get like a really small kind of pixelated explosion, that horrible kind of sound. And at that point, I was if I'm quite away to a clear, I always done it myself, I'll just go put the kettle on. And then I'll and then I'll come down <laughs> to it and kind of try, yeah. try and try and kind of start again. Signature level types include the sort of opening mountain or volcano uh, there's usually something that resembles being inside a human body very sort of uh, fantastic voyage is that the right one um inspired mm. inside the human body and indeed the 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 life force version of salamander totally runs with that and actually makes it that you're basically a, a ship inserted inside living things um biomechanical or gigaresque levels are a, a recurring theme there's usually then some mechanical altogether mechanical levels that look like they're inside bases often mm. involving moving scenery mazes uh crystals or bubbles or meteors are recurring themes as well levels that where they're just absolutely stuffed with uh items that asteroids like can be split into smaller items and uh you have to yeah. keep track of potentially this can be nightmarish this kind, this, this kind of stages absolutely yeah. nightmarish and yes the my heads uh according to a 1996 interview we originally added the Moai because we wanted to give a mysterious image to the game. Xevious had used the Nazca lines and we were inspired by that. We had no idea that the Moai would become a mainstay of the series like it has. Except in Gradius V, where there's no Moai heads. And the music is a huge part of the Nemesis Gradius experience for me. Now, I'm not going to claim that I know every track for every level very well. There are some levels in some of the games I've never even seen. But even the original game, the music is very little. It's got uh, it's got no real samples or percussion or anything like that. It's just sort of uh, chip-generated harmonic beeps, um, albeit with a certain sort of timbre, slight resonance to them. But I absolutely love it. The music 
tends to be a mix of the heroic and the triumphant, but also the jazzy and the cheesy. And then occasionally later in the game, you'll get some more sinister and dramatic stuff. But um, those mm. original tunes, which were composed by uh, Mickey Higashino, um, many of those have persisted throughout the games. And obviously, of course, we've had a huge number of games in the series which have gone in slightly different directions. But certain tunes, the initial fanfare, the initial uh, the, the the sections that Mikhail talked about, the sort of pre-boss sections have their own sort of uh, fanfare. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, the music, the level one music of this game is pretty much like an eternal earworm for me. It's kind of playing on a loop and has been for 35 yeah. years. I love the later games yeah. where some like there'll be, it'll be a number of levels in, and then there'll so, suddenly be like a little few notes of that first version, like not mm. quite a remix, not quite a remake, but just kind of a a feel of kind of um, do you know yeah, what I mean? Like nods. A musical reference, yeah, yeah. yeah, like um, like a nostalgic kind of look back. When I think of the grittiest style of music, I get get a sort of Christmas bellsy kind of uh, sound, sound in my head you know it's all very tinkly uh, and uh, and positive sound those um, often the attract mode I think by default in the switches has the sound on in the arcade you can you can alter that but um, the the explosion noises of enemies is kind of weirdly it, again it's that there were yeah. games or there were games already by this stage which had more realistic sounding explosions but this had this sort of metallic this high pitched um crystalline sort of sound which which echoed mm. above the other sounds of the arcade and um yeah to me it's like every uh, every sound in this game just sounds absolutely perfect to me apart from the death sound don't like it <laughs> One more signature feature of the Gradius series is the high score table that not only allows you to put in your initials, but also your gender and your star sign. Mm. <laughs> uh, it's not the only game to have ever done this, but it's very much particular to it. In Gradius 2, you can actually put your age in and the icon for your male or female avatar ages depending on what age you put in so i've gone from playing this as a how old was i when this one came out <laughs> uh 15 16 i'm now 47 the icon has changed for me <laughs> it's now the middle-aged dude um there's still one more to go so <laughs> hopefully do you do I'll the same when you play dead or alive <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah there's no boob physics in gradius 2 to my knowledge um the star sign thing i know do you know what I never even knew until about 30 years after first playing this whether I was actually putting the right star sign in. Yeah. Hey man. Yep. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> I am. Turned out I was putting in the symbol for Aquarius all the time instead of Pisces. Because I guess they just assume that everyone knows the icon for their star sign, right? But yeah. I was guessing that Gemini was the the sort of Roman numerals for 11. And it was, but... I wasn't sure. See, I'm Libra, and Libra and Gemini often have similar kind of symbolism because they're both kind of a duality-based thing. True. So, yeah, right. I, I think I probably often picked Gemini when I should have picked Libra. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was another Gradius 2, though, before Gradius 2, of course, because Japanese game series are like this. Nemesis 2 or Nemesis 90 Kai for the MSX and X68000. The first sequel to Gradius appeared exclusively on MSX computers. Not to be confused with Gradius 2 with a Roman numeral, which appeared in the arcades the following year. This is a completely original game with a lot of cool aspects that don't appear in any other game in the series. Yeah. 
I do, is I'm this the, where the Dr. Venom yes. uh, sort of stuff happens? You're right, yeah. yeah. So it's got yeah. a story. Um, and that series kind of uh, goes off in it, on its own. But yes, we'll talk a little bit more about Gradius 2. We've already mentioned the famous second level, which is basically Aliens. The first level, though, I remember when I first saw this, I saw the intro. I only knew this as Vulcan Venture as it was released in the West. I knew it was, a, obviously, I knew it was a Nemesis. I thought it was Nemesis 2, Vulcan Venture, not, or Nemesis 3, depending. Um, Machiguchi yeah. was, was the director again. This is on considerably more powerful hardware, although you can still make it slow down because they throw so much on the screen. The first level on this is just spectacular still, I think. Those suns. Those yeah. beautiful pixel art burning suns. And you've got all these fire dragons, which are... These were essentially one boss from Salamander, yeah. and now they are just a regular level feature. The main thing... And I've, I've played this on HD screens, but just imagine seeing that on an arcade monitor with the glow of the CRT. Yeah, it looks uh, lovely. You know, the, those burning suns against that pitch black background. Yeah. That must be majest majestic. Yeah. And, uh, and I will say it, it does still, for me, it still uh, retains its... Uh, its quality on I've, I've played it i've been lucky enough to play it in the arcade machine in the last year at uh, arcade club before the before the pandemic and uh but i regularly play it on the on the switch and ps4 and uh if you set up your monitor just right and you set up the filters just right you can make it look to me every bit as good um and yeah uh, the main thing with this game for me was the fact that once you get to level three, which I can now get to fairly regularly, which is the ice crystals level, uh, it yeah. starts to become unmanageably difficult for somebody of my skill level. Has anyone kind of gone to battle with Vulcan Venture and, and seen it through legitimately? I've completed it, but only with save states. I'm pretty much where you are, uh, but I think there... I've I've watched some long plays of other players to to see the whole game, um, and there there are kind of like tricks to a stage like the the crystal stage, for example, like where you need to be on the screen. I noticed most, um, yeah, most um, clears were players sticking to the top of the screen and not trying to engage with too much that happens there. For example, yeah, yeah. That's. But, I mean, that is a lot of it. Like, like, uh, like bullet hell shoot 'em ups. A yeah. lot of a lot of it is about identifying what not to engage with, isn't it? And yeah. not allowing yourself to become overwhelmed by the myriad sprites that are on screen. And bear in mind that you actually only need to dodge the ones that are near you. But yeah, it's, it's easier said than done. And there's some interesting physics going on there that look quite oh. that look quite unpredictable. So you don't want yeah. to be shooting too many of those rocks because you don't want all that stuff flying around. Yes, the the asteroids physics are not remotely convincing on this level. They're very no. her herky-jerky. Uh, all part of the fun. Um, so this game has, yeah, as well as upgraded graphics, it also has a much more lavish sound of, uh, soundscape, I would say. A lot mm. more, obviously, it's got a lot of speech and some, uh, some more obviously sampled and synthesized soundtracks. Uh, again, I think there's some banging tunes in there. Yeah, and it... And as opposed to the original Gradius, here you've got actual different kinds of bosses at the end of every stage. Yes. And I remember being quite amazed by uh, that flaming phoenix in the first stage, for example. Yeah. 
Uh, running on the more powerful Konami Twin 16 board, Gradius 2 features some truly outstanding graphics, says Hardcore Gaming 101. Right at the first level, it pulls out all the stops and has you dodging through gigantic flaming suns, each one spawning tremendous fire dragons that are absolutely huge compared to the Vic Viper. Yeah, so there is a uh, confusingly titled follow-up <laughs> called, has the same subtitle, Go For No Yabu Episode 2, Um but also known as Nemesis 3, Eve of Destruction. Wow. This, this, is series, the, gets, this series gets really confusing. If yeah, you, uh, it's got the sort if of... You, if you stray a little bit away from the mainline titles. Yeah. Bubble, bubble style issues. So uh, <laughs> Nemesis actually sort of kept on that far, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. This was, again, yeah, as I say, the, uh, the MSX version. The first level uh, consists of a series of flaming suns, capping off with a fight against a gigantic blazing eagle at first glance. It may seem that this is an MSX port of Gradius 2, but it's actually a sequel. Outside of the first stage and a couple of bosses, it's a brand new game. The word Gradius isn't technically part of the title in the Japanese release, but the European title foregoes this confusion and calls it Nemesis 3. So this did get ported as well to Saturn and PlayStation um, as part of a compilation, but uh, it's not one that many of us westerners would be particular particularly familiar with um but these games like as i say the tony takushi um column from cmvg back in the the mid late 80s talking about how the msx carts were you know konami's msx carts were absolutely amazing and outstripping any kind of home computer ports and i think in some ways they were and they were being developed in-house by konami um they also unfortunately all suffered with very jerky scrolling because the MSX just did not do smooth scrolling whatsoever. Mm. So, you know, you would have had smoother scrolling on for certainly on the Commodore 64. There um, are exceptions, of course, uh, with the MSX doing right. sm- smooth scrolling. But uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah generally, it's yeah. not uh, the best scrolling. Mm. It's worth so, yeah, the mention in- of the uh, Famicom version of Vulcan Venture Stroke Gradius 2 as well. It's one of the Konami's games that used the extra mappers where they put in extra chips, a bit like sort of proto oh, super okay. effects kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's far and beyond what a normal NES or Famicom could have done. It's a, it's a real right. uh, real treat, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. Graphically, it's kind of in line with uh, Life Force, maybe. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, you going to move on and finish that one next? Uh, possibly, possibly. Maybe Definitely, so. if we're going to cover it for next year. <laughs> yeah. Also, the um, PC Engine CD-ROM version yes. uh, opens with a great line that I'd just like to record, just in case no one's ever heard it. Well, I don't think anyone has heard it before. Um, so it starts off with a CD-ROM intro with this line. This new legend is dedicated to the brave soldiers who fought in the first Gradius War. So I'd say <laughs> this new podcast is dedicated to the brave soldiers who fought in the first Gradius War. Definitely. Yeah, Officially definitely. it is. Yeah, those are some good ports as well. I just wanted to mention Thundercross because it was included as part of the compilation with the other uh, Nemesis and Gradius games, um, I played this quite a lot of the arcades and its sequel. And the reason I think it's worth mentioning is mainly because it's another sci-fi Konami horizontally scrolling shoot 'em up but it also, it retains some of the features of Gradius, including the options. And in fact, it debuts the system in the Japanese version, at least, of moving the spacing of the options to your will as per Gradius 5. Mm. Hmm. Then another game with not the Gradius name is called Space Manbo. And <laughs> yeah, and uh, 
and that's actually a hugely well-regarded and well-respected 8-bit shooter. It started off as a port of Thundercross, the aforementioned, but it ended up morphing into its own title. Uh, and is I think you can say it's a sort of spiritual successor to those earlier MSX Gradius games we mentioned. After Vulcan Venture or Gradius 2, the actual sequel after all those other games, which is Gradius 3, Densets Karashinwa E, or From Legend to Myth, this was 1989. And I'd only played this one a bit before researching for the show on the, I had the PS2 double pack, which was weirdly a launch game, yeah. certainly over here for, for PS2, uh, Gradius is 3 and 4. And there had also been a Super Famicom SNES version earlier. But for whatever reason, even though I loved the previous games in the series, I just kind of let this one pass me by. And having tried to play it now, I'm kind of glad I did. It's just in some ways like it's a massive, it's a huge game. It's got like 10 or 12 stages. It's got tons and tons of different enemies and it's got all the sprite graphics and all the music and but the problem is for most normal human beings, it's just ridiculously difficult. Anyone yeah. who, I'm going to mention Dark Souls, anyone who thinks that something like Dark Souls is hard, this is one of those games where you say, no, no, this, now this is a hard game. I'm not saying you'll enjoy it as much as you'd enjoy Dark Souls, almost certainly not, but this is what cruelty is like. And the weird thing is, there is an argument to say that they never meant people to beat this, but you mm. can't even continue in the Japanese version. So does yeah. that mean that they deliberately coded all the graphics and the art, the music and the, and the gameplay of the final six stages of this 10 stage game for no one, no human to ever see them? I, I, I remember reading this, but I couldn't find it back before the show anymore. But allegedly this uh, entry in the Gradius series was developed by a whole team of legend uh, or level designers mm -hmm. and they were all sort of working in isolation and the final results were sort of jumbled together mm -hmm. randomly mm -hmm. so there's no real cohesion or thought of flow b between the levels yeah and the difficulty varies wildly from level to level yeah um yeah that that's 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 what i have read uh, at some point somewhere mm. So it has a the option for the free shield, which uh, lets you, I guess this is influenced by R-Type, which had been around for a couple of years at this point, lets you stick a shield orb on whatever part of the ship you want rather than just the front, while the reduce shield, another option, shrinks the Vic Viper, making it easier to dodge projectiles and can also absorb a single hit. There's a new entry on the power-up bar denoted by an exclamation mark. By default, this will remove power-ups from your ship. But you can also lower the speed if you've selected too many speed ups, which is an early problem I used to have back in the day. Uh, now I'm pretty much happy with as many speed ups as you can give me, but it is po it is possible to make your ship too twitchy. Or you can transfer your extra lives into options. And the fourth stage of Gradius 3 is a, quote, weird experiment, according to Hardcore Gaming 101, a 3D area similar to the bonus levels in Sega's Afterburner. There's no bad guys. All you do is fly through a long corridor, making sure you don't collide with the walls. Since it scrolls so quickly, this is much easier said than done. It's really weird how that 3D level just suddenly pops up and then suddenly goes away and that's, <laughs> it's just completely yeah it just feels totally bolted on um it isn't the hardest bit of the game by far as far as i'm concerned but 
Yeah. yeah. The problem, aside from the difficulty with Gradius 3, is that there aren't just not... Um, if you come off of 2, that is, there aren't just not enough exciting new ideas in it, in its uh, stage layouts. Yeah, and I, I've now watched videos of people finishing it, I believe legitimately, without tool assists and whatever, and I don't know how it's possible. I would... It takes a lot of dedication, I think. Yeah. Just... Ridiculous memorization. But I don't think even if I could memorize it all, I don't think I would ever have the fine motor skills and observation and concentration required to beat this game. I just, it's just, it is beyond me. And I would suggest the majority of human beings. It, yeah, this yeah. is for, yeah. Have you, you given it a try then, Ben? Yeah, I'll quit look at it. Like, um, not like I say, nothing with any serious. It's the same thing, isn't it? Like, I just, like, I've, the bulk of long plays that I've seen, like if you look into the channel that they're on, um, there'll be some disclaimer somewhere saying that they'll use uh, clips or save states or slow motion or something like that. Like, right. I'd be very, I'd be, I'd, the only clear I'd be interested in watching would be like an over the shoulder clear of a, of, <laughs> a, of, a, of a machine kind of one done like uh, the way you see a lot of a lot of the kind of uh, the, the more old school light recorders do. Um, yeah, but yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Like, it's just I like. I, I beat the hardest iteration of Ghouls and Ghosts on a single life, and I, I look at this and think that is it is ridiculously difficult <laughs> and a colossal waste of time. So I mean, that tells you everything you need to know, really. Like, <laughs> I just don't, I don't see like I, I. It's one of those things that like I don't even know if I could do it. Like I probably couldn't. I don't think I could. No, I no, I probably yeah. couldn't. But that's the thing. Like, I, the the thing is. I'd have to, you'd have to put six months in to find out you couldn't do it. That's, right. that's, yeah. that's the problem. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I've seen, I've seen on, on dedicated shoot 'em up forums people saying, I couldn't beat this with save states. As in, you know, you can just get yourself into a position where it's just impossible to extricate yourself. And that's certainly my experience mm. getting up to about halfway through, or less than halfway through the game via save scumming. And just, yeah, it just became, it became just uh, reload, death, reload, death, reload, death. Uh, and just no way of dragging yourself out of that. You, you know, you could potentially build up multiple save states with in multiple situations and inch your way through it almost, you know, half a pixel scroll at a time. But th at that point, I'm just thinking life is too short. Yeah, what's and, the point? You might as well watch yeah. a video at that point. The Super Famicom or SNES version is tweaked, remixed, cut down, and in some ways arguably improved because it's slightly more doable, I am told, but I haven't played it. As it is and different, this is what played into my uh, thinking that Gradius 3 was Vulcan, the, the 2 and 3 mix-up. Because um, uh, I always thought, well, a bit like Super R-Type, where oh, maybe the first level is just a bit different to how I've seen it, so... So until the Game Boy Advance compilation came out, I genuinely thought that the SNES version was uh, Gradius 2. <laughs> so. Bailey Boy from the forum says, My PS2 died last week, RIP. The last game I played on it, Gradius 3. We can now officially add Console Killer to its list of crimes. <laughs> so then there was a bit of a gap, perhaps... Gradius 3, I believe it didn't do very well because I think people... I, I do remember seeing one arcade Gradius 3 in Brighton where I live and I think I remember giving it a go, but even the first level didn't look that appealing with the sand dunes and the sand lions. doesn't look I, as appealing as Gradius 2, right? With the yeah, sands. and I think I tried it and probably died very quickly and yeah, that was it. 
the world had moved on. And so it wasn't until 1997 that the next official Gradius game came along. And it was on the PS1. Didn't get released in Europe, did it? It was uh, Japan and America only, I think. Japan only. Japan only. Well, there you go. August 1997, uh, directed by uh, Taisuke Seki. The concept for Gradius Gaiden, according to an interview translated by Schmupplations, was to put it simply to pursue and refine the gameplay of the Gradius series. We want our games to progress along with the development of new technology and hardware. I think you will see this with Solar Assault, more of which in a bit. But the Gradius series 2 will probably continue to evolve in the future. But I think the essential fun qualities of the series, like the power-up system, should stay the same. As refining the gameplay was both our concept and goal this time, we s- decided to call this entry Gaiden, or Side Story. So yeah, I've played this some on the PSP. I really wish I had a PS1 copy of it, because I think it fits alongside Einhender and R-Type Delta as kind of... Uh, signature side scrollers for the PS1. Yeah, this has been my real treat. This um, for, for playing the games this week. This Great. this one has uh, really stood out. Um, I don't I don't know why I didn't play so much of it on the PSP. Again, I thought maybe with the name Gaiden, I just thought it was kind of a mm. side thing that it that it wasn't. And even back when I had the collection, I realised that I never really played it back on the PSP. And then mm. so going to it now has been such a treat. Yeah, it's a cracker, isn't it? Yeah. It's still yeah. tough, though. It's still, I mean, it's, I would say it's not anywhere near as difficult as Gradius 3 was, but uh, it does start to get difficult quite quickly. Even the first boss can catch you unawares with its. It's got uh, some grueling boss fights. Yeah. yeah. I've only watched uh, a long play of it because I don't have access to it, uh, but I would love to, to, to do so because it looks pretty amazing, actually. And it kind of got me thinking, like, what if. Uh, th- this is one of those games where you think, like, what if uh, sprite art would have just continued to really evolve from here mm. uh, instead of, you know, the, the generation of consoles that w- would come after that would almost completely abandon it? Mm. Um, yeah, you know, where where would we be nowadays then yeah. if, uh, if 2D sprite art? Because a lot of newer, like, indie releases and a lot of newer games with 2D sprite art sort of refer back to the 8-bit and the 16-bit days, and really new high-res sprite art is fairly rare. you got, of course, the Rayman games and uh, something like King of Fighters 13, but it's it's not that common anymore, and it really got me thinking, like, you know, this... Something like Gradius Guidance should have been uh, built, built from um, well, wonderful sprite art and really snazzy special effects as well. Mm. This, uh, there's this one boss in the game, which uh, a core boss, which shoots out these sort of like uh, multicolored fluorescent paintbrush-like lasers. It just mm. it looks mesmerizing. Yeah. So the crystal level in this, when you shoot the crystals with your lasers, they refract all over the yeah. screen, which is yeah, yeah. Uh, it's got loads of neat touches. Like the second level's full of derelict old bosses from previous games in the series. Uh, there's on level one, it starts off like a snowy level scape. But if, is that level one where you can, or is it not? There's a level where you choose one. Yeah. Choose your Uh, path and it it can become either snowy or volcano-y. No, no, that's Gradius Rebirth. Oh, my mistake. I've played too many of these games. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's all, it's all becoming one. So level one of Gaiden is snowy though, isn't it? Yeah. uh, Just snowy. Yeah. yeah. And it has Mm. the sort of the, um, Aurora Borealis type of background. Yeah, yeah. Well. yeah. Uh, it's got two players. It's got edit. Um, by default, it comes with nine credits, uh, but it does have a checkpoint restart, so it doesn't 
um, have the sort of Gradius V or Salamander thing of being able to just roll on, unfortunately. Um, but yes, well worth investigation. And I guess it didn't get a Western release because it was deemed too niche or and or retro and 2D for yeah. our tastes in 1997 when we were... When- yeah, we need uh, triangular polygons, not yeah. uh, not, <laughs> not, not crisp uh, 2D graphics. It's funny that they went with the concept of credits when it never got an arcade release. Yeah, it's kind of standard, traditional, I suppose. Yeah. But yes, they could have they could have thought more about trying reinventing something that worked better. But you can at least, yeah, you can um, you can change. There's four ships as well as the Vic Viper and Lord British. There's a, a Jade Knight and the Lord a, British. Yep. And an experimental fourth ship, which is based on Space Manbo, I believe. Um, yeah. You can change ships in between lives, at least. Fair to say, it's still a tough game, but it's a, it's a bit more... It, it feels like it was designed with the player in mind rather than just sucking money out of you at an arcade. Put it that way. Solar Assault 1997, I've never seen, but it's a, an arcade 3D rail shooter along the line of Star Fox or Panzer Dragoon, but with Gradius's setting. As usual, the Vic Viper makes an appearance. The game was very obscure and never ported to any console system. So then, actually, between arcade games, although we had Gradius Guide on the PS1, there was 10 years between Gradius 3 and Gradius 4 for Cats, which is Gradius 4 Resurrection or Revival, depending on which translation. Akinari Takaki came in. This game disappoints me, really, because... Rather than it being a step on from Gaiden, it takes the contemporary graphics of the time, sort of early era, uh, it, it's sort of PS2 level graphics, hence yeah. it got a release on the PS2, so it, it, it uses polygons. I don't think it's hideous, but I don't mm. think it looks nicer than, say, Gradius 2, and it really just takes a lot of ideas, levels, bosses, and concepts from earlier games and kind of... It's, it, it is as a matter of fact Gradius like Four's uh first stage looks worse than Gradius Two's first stage, which I, I, are I agree, pretty much yeah. the same console. Uh, same concept, concept sorry. Yeah. yeah. So it looks nice in certain places, but overall, yeah, I don't think it's an appealing looking game. And like you say, it's just too much of a repeat uh yeah, r- repeat exercise of uh previous elements of uh of the series. Let's say if this would be the only Gradius game you've ever played, you would have no absolute. Uh, you wouldn't have any problems with it. Sure, yeah. it's uh, perfectly playable as the rest of the series is, and it's uh, decently well designed. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's if, if especially if you're a long longer time follower of the series, there's nothing here to really see for you. And it's also again, it's I've seen it described as not being quite as vicious as three but it is still it's still yeah it's still right up there in terms of difficulty i couldn't get much further in this than i managed in three ben or dan did you give this one a try any familiarity with four uh, i've only given it a little try this week never back in the day and um yeah i can just echo what you said it's got that sort of remixy feel it's um it's a bit like you know when you spot someone in the street and it's quite sort of funny and sweet for a while but then if you start <laughs> spotting them outside your house it takes on a sort of, it gets a bit too much. <laughs> it's That's an interesting analogy. It kind of reminds me of that. Is it, do you speak from experience? <laughs> I can't add anything to that. That's perfect. Okay. Uh, this is a neat one, but one that was, it was one of those many, many GBA games that did get a release, but was 
produced in very small numbers and immediately became very hard to get and very expensive. So I, I don't own a copy. Gradius Advance, as it was released in America, Gradius Galaxies, as it was called in Europe, 2001, and Gradius Generation in Japan. It came out last in Japan. This was the first Gradius to be created by a development team other than Konami's own internal teams. This was by Mobile 21 Studios. The Japanese version was the last to be released and has a number of exclusive challenge modes added to it that the other versions didn't and includes an additional invisible 5,000 point bonus in one of the levels. Um, this would be... I quite like to own the Japanese version of this, play it on my Super Game Boy, maybe, on the GameCube. Uh, it was quite well received at the time, um, but it's just not something I've ever had a, a realistic option of getting hold of without spending quite a bit of money. I don't, don't know what the current eBay price is, but... Uh, I played it at the time on the Game Boy Advance, um, yeah. and but I can't remember massive amounts about it. Again, I think it was just another gradius game at the time but um it is that intro funnily enough that stands out the most where it does uh highlight yeah, scramble right. as the early mm. thing and then obviously that's when i learned that two and three weren't the same game so uh. that's the standout to me is that little opening intro hmm. um that taught me <laughs> that i'd got it wrong all those years yeah gradius 5 which i remember seeing screenshots for well ahead of its release and drooling despite my sort of lack of engagement or interest with the previous few entries the idea that treasure hiroshi yuchi of uh, radiant silver gun and ikaruga ikaruga fame he'd previously worked on the aliens coin up which i know is a, a popular one here among us and the simpsons as a younger man for konami um also involved uh, at satomo nakagawa who had also worked for Sega and worked on, on uh, Knights and Sonic Jam, as well as Ikaruga and Sin and Punishment, uh, or later Sin and Punishment, star successor for Treasure. Uh, I just remember seeing the screenshots to this PS2 era game coded in conjunction with G-Rev, uh, former Taito people responsible for are, bo yeah. Border Down and Under Defeat and yeah. Treasure, obviously. Made up of... Uh most of the team that was working on uh, G Darius. Yeah. And, right. Um a game that we've been playing uh, recently, Senkono Ronde 2. Indeed. Yes. And Treasure, um mainly in charge of this game, Gunstar Heroes of course, Radiant Silver Gun and Ikaruga, and they brought in Hitoshi Sakimoto of uh, composer for Final Fantasy Tactics and Radiant Silver Gun and Vagrant Story to make a soundtrack. Uh yeah, I've been back into this this week. I used to have the disc version I bought it day 1 back in 2004 <clears throat> uh, i now have the ps3 version which is the ps2 version to all intents and purposes um and while i can't beat this game i can get to with continues i can get to level six uh i think this is for me it's just one of the finest horizontally mainly horizontally some sometimes not horizontally scrolling shoot em ups there is um it's just so intense and exciting. I've seen some criticism saying that maybe the levels don't quite have the same level of personality as some of the earlier Gradius games, but uh, for me, if this is a classic. If you only play the beginning, I think maybe it all looks too metallic, but yeah, later on in the game, you've got these organic sections and everything. I think there's quite a, a little bit more variety than yeah. people give it credit for. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, uh, th- this is one of the games that whenever the kind of Twitter thing goes around of which game would you most like to see polished up and re-released for modern systems, this is always right near the top of my list. Uh, it still looks great and it and it sounds incredible, but um, the idea of a really cleaned up uh, presentation running at 1080p or, or 4K even, I think this game would still hold up incredibly well as a as a modern release. How do you folks feel about Gradius 5? I would say it's amazing and also amazingly hard. It's uh, going from playing the NES version of Gradius 1 to Gradius 5 is quite a step up in difficulty. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I think it's it's really cool. It's really cool. Uh, I love what they did with the uh, different type of uh, option configurations Mm -hmm. and... um, yeah, I'm 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 a huge fan of the uh, dire- directional uh, options mm. that you can, where you can sort of move them across the screen in uh, in multiple directions. Have to kind of retrain your brain to multitask. Yeah, uh, some comments from Hardcore Gaming uh, highlighting some of the features. A new feature of Gradius Five is the option control by holding down the R1 button. Obviously, again, this is a game that was home only no arcade version you can command your options to do different things the freeze command will keep them in place allowing you to focus your firepower the spacing command as first seen in thundercross will make them spread vertically allowing you to widen or tighten your attacks the rotate command tells them to spin around your ship by far the most impressive is the direction command when you hold down r1 you'll freeze the movement of your ship but you can aim your weapons in any direction it's remarkably cool to fire your lasers and whip them round with the analog stick creating a wave of destruction as awesome as this is it kind of messes with one of the fundamental principles of gradius the game has always challenged you to balance power and versatility and the limited range of your ship's firepower is what has always given the series such a claustrophobic feeling in gradius 5 there is no need for a double shot and barely any need for missiles all you need to do is aim your options and shoot You can fire around any corner and hit practically anything on the screen. It makes for a remarkably different game, but that's certainly not a mark against it and helps keep the Gradius experience fresh. It makes it sound like it's easy, but it's not. (laughs) No, it's not. And it's only if you pick that one particular option configuration, um, which is, from what I've seen, definitely, that's my choice, but it's definitely not the expert's choice. Most Most people, most Clears seem to be done with freeze, freeze yeah. and people position their options right inside the course of uh, bosses yes. and free- freeze them there, and then yeah. kill the- kill them before they uh, even have to destroy the-, the barriers, for example. And yes, um, as Hardcore Gaming says, what's really cool about Gradius Five is the time loop. The second level begins with the opening of a wormhole. Two vessels fly out: a gigantic battleship and another ship that appears to be exactly like the Vic Viper. The other pilot instructs you to help him take down his target, so the two of you split up and take different routes. He takes the top and you take the bottom. At the end, you help him open the final door to a huge monstrosity, then escape as the battleship blows up behind you. The game continues up until the eighth stage when you encounter the same battleship that you conquered earlier in the game. However, it requires that it be attacked from two different spots and your single ship just isn't up to the task. You solve this problem by transporting both yourself and the enemy vessel back in time. It's here that the circle completes and you meet your past self from the second stage, except this time you fly through the top route and get to destroy the boss, finally completing the game. 
The boss cries that he used to be called Venom, which ties Gradius V back to the MSX games. Once mm. you beat the game, you unlock a variety of extra weapons, including the classic Ripple Laser, the Spread Bomb, the E-Laser from Gradius III, and the return of the Fire Blaster from the MSX Gradius II. Um, yeah, that time loop is brilliant. So it, it records a bit of your gameplay eff- effectively. And if you're <laughs> good enough or persistent enough to get back round, you get to see what you did on the last or the, the yeah. start of that loop. And I assume it's that really continues cool. through. The difficulty level here as well, not only is, is it hard enough on the earlier settings and the defaults. If you watch, I've watched a video of loop 10, which is the highest loop. The bosses have more cores. Uh, there's way more patterns to learn everything everything is harder and it's just it's pretty much like bullet curtain dan maku as well so i don't know how or why it's possible for humans to play that well but um but it is for some people yeah if you take in mind that one that this game uh one one loop is ridiculously hard for uh for or just ridiculously long for a shoot 'em up so yes. if you keep in mind that one loop takes you one hour like do a ten loop run. You're you're sitting there playing it for ten yeah. hours. Yes, there's no saving. Uh, there are passwords yeah. on the score attack mode. I'm not really sure why. Uh, yeah, there's stage select, but for practicing, of course. Yes, uh, you can pause the game as opposed to an arcade True. game where you can't you can't pause it. So I guess you get yeah. to go and put the kettle on in between yeah. in between loops. We do have some correspondence on Gradius Five from and then we play. Gradius V came out at a time when I was completely uninterested in arcade-style games and wanted games of more, quotes, depth. Little did I know arcade-style games would be the games I would play nearing into my 30s. I picked up Gradius V on the PlayStation 3 in preparation for the podcast earlier in the year, and it was painful. I found the game extremely difficult, mainly because I'd never really played a scrolling shooter since Arrow Flash on the Genesis decades ago. But I stuck with it eventually being able to one credit complete on hard mode with five lives, of course, and I fell in love with the game. The backgrounds at times were simply stunning, and even with lower polygon count compared to Bond games, I was constantly impressed at how the game looked. The soundtrack was adrenaline pumping, which suited the game perfectly, and that gameplay is extremely addictive. Collecting power-ups and the risk-reward decisions of which ones to carry on with and changing loadouts for multiple playthroughs, simply amazing. I'm so happy we inspired somebody to not only pick up this game, but master it as well. Fair yeah. play to And Then We Play. Gradius 6 was originally announced in the 2005 Tokyo Game Show and was one of the developing titles for PS3 scheduled for the 2006 release. However, due to unknown reasons, the development was delayed and eventually completely scrapped according to Wikipedia. That joined a list of three previous cancelled Gradius titles. Vic Viper, 1995. Gradius 64, which would have been an N64 version of Gradius 4, and a game called Gradius Wide. And the final, or the most recent, possibly the final, who knows, with Konami, Gradius release was 2008's Gradius Rebirth. Sadly, not brought to the compilations of the, the the recent Konami compilations, which I think is a real shame. So completely impossible to get now unless, well, legally anyway, uh, because the WiiWare store is shut. This was made by M2, the developer of Gauntlet 4 for the Genesis and, of course, the Sega Ages series, directed by Masato Misaki. Um, 
with composer Manabu Yamiki of Battle Garega and Dodonpachi Daioju on musical duties. This is five stage two theme is so good. Yeah. Five stages long, handful of brief hidden stages and multiple endings. And the levels actually change as you loop. Uh, Gradius Rebirth, according to Hardcore Gaming, is a love letter to fans of the MSX games. The games takes place in Space Year 6664, making it a prequel to Gradius 2. It stars James Burton and features Dr. Venom as his commander before he turned evil. And if you see his portrait, you could never imagine that he would turn evil. No. And his, and his name also is not Sinister at all either. <laughs> Uh, I really like this. It's it's short, it's completable, it's still tough, still challenging. Yeah. But uh, I would say for me, of all the games in the entire series, this has the best game feel, the, the nicest ship control. It feels, it feels very uh, responsive and good, Super right? tight, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's alre- already kind of a hallmark of the series. I mean, if you take two speed-ups, that is. Yes. That it's a very sharply controllable series of uh of shooter maps yeah but this one i think and the hitbox is kind of more contemporary it's designed around modern players um so yeah i think it's it's difficult to recommend this because you can't buy it but it's uh and yeah it's uh let's say you would home homebrew your uh yes for sure yeah yeah Yeah. I, i would recommend anyone doing that for sure yeah so um I didn't give this game uh, as much credit as I uh, should have initially because I felt like, okay, we got another bunch of references to other Gradius games and other sort Mm. of uh, spins on earlier stage concepts and designs. So do we really need that at this point when something like Gradius 4 already exists? But uh, it has, yeah, really cool secrets and little tweaks in there. And like you say, it controls really well, has an amazing soundtrack, to where it's actually very worthwhile. Yeah, mm. and in terms of difficulty, it sits somewhere between the NES game and the arcade games for me. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, ben and Dan, did you miss this one? As I imagine most people did. I reckon this game probably had about like 3,000 downloads or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one that I wanted to pick up at the time, but I think there was just so much going on on the Wii and the other consoles at the time that it just skipped me by. Yeah. Yeah, same. this one passed me by. I'm really happy to have uh, all three Rebirth games that M2 put together for Konami at that point. It's just a shame that uh, that they should just release the three of them as a little combination. L- little yeah. HD Rebirth pack would be great. I'm sure people would go for that. Contra, Castlevania and Gradius, Gradius. in a single yeah. pack. In, uh, They've got such a, such strange aesthetics, these games, right? Like like a real grab back of like 16-bit, 8-bit, and mm. sort of like fuzzy graphics and then weird special effects that also yeah. are like uh, sometimes really pixelated. Uh, but yeah, quite compelling at the same time. Was mm. the Rocket Knight WiiWare game part of that or was that a separate thing? That's separate. a separate thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's separate. Because these, these are made with 2D graphics. The Rocket Knight thing was... Uh, was a uh, yeah two and a half D or uh, yeah, yeah. polygonal graphics type of thing. Funnily enough, we have a three word review from the Rocket Knight Rebirth Man <laughs> coming up later. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there have been a couple of other named Gradius named releases from Konami since Gradius Arc 2010 was uh, Gin- Gin- Ginyoku no Densets Legend of the Silvery Wings, a tactical RPG for cell phones. And of course, because it wouldn't be 
video game satire without mention of a Konami patchy slot. Gradius the Slot 2011, featuring elements of the Gradius universe. So yes, the joke about Konami turning all of its old IPs into pachinko machines is accurate. Good. <laughs> uh, several Gradius Starfighters bosses and other game elements have been adapted into trading trading cards, part of Konami's Yu-Gi-Oh! series. And as Mikhail mentioned earlier, there have been multiple mangas, at least four, or at least yeah, a couple of mangas and a couple of other comic strips and things. Uh, but yes, as I say, it's Konami, it's 2020. Who knows? Maybe those compilations they released a couple of years ago will lead to something. Or maybe that was just them wanting to roll around in some readily available income anyway uh three word reviews as advertised ben ashley day says loose power-ups restart bc bird's eye gives us hold down fire paul glancy yes that paul glancy from zap 64 and codemasters fame says pick it up craig mcadam says die a lot bearfish pie says vec and bob <laughs> good Robert Farley gives us Speed Missiles Shield. Interesting order. Kuragari Rio says, Destroy them all! Blogger Spow, my favourite game. And Tom Hewlett says, Shoot the core. There you go. Right, uh, so a brief summarization, maybe any recommendations and uh, heartfelt feelings. Uh, let's start with uh, Ben. All right, so... I sound like I don't like Gradius in some respects, but I don't think that's quite the case. I'm really aware of what a trail the series has blazed. Uh, I respect the phenomenal level that some players have achieved in getting clears on the later Gradius games, and I really enjoy, really, really enjoy uh, Parodius, the spin-off series that this this hmm. game kind of spawned. Uh, take my advice, <laughs> my friends. Follow these very, very simple steps. Play the first one, ignore the rest, put the kettle on, play R-Type. Trust me, you'll feel much better for it. <laughs> Um, you need to play Gradius 5, Ben. It's garbage. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Funnily enough, I've come away from this actually preferring it to R-Type. I think when we did the R-Type show, I didn't actually think that I liked Gradius as much as I did. But going back, it's kind of, yeah, changed my view on that. Hmm. I think, in a way, this almost reminds me of, you know, with the Zelda games where there are those tropes that kind of come back time and time again. And the game almost, um, the self-referential nostalgia is almost part of the game itself. Um, Playing them all in a row this week, that's what's kind of stood out to me. And um, it's not, to me, it's not like repetition or uh, reusing assets. It's a very deliberate um, play on nostalgia. And it's somewhere between uh, familiarity and unease. Do you know what I mean? A bit like my sort of stalking uh, analogy earlier, where um, <laughs> this part of it is that you feel sort of heartwarmed. Oh, there's this again. And then there's part of you that's like, hang on, is this as I remember it? Or there's just tweaks on things, you know, where it's a half memory that seems to be sort of played into. Um, now, as I made the uh, insert coin noise at the start, um, I actually sampled that for a track many, many years ago that you can find on my SoundCloud. But then I was listening to another musician, uh, Schnabubula. Um, now, he and I That's were making... It's a great name. It's a great name. Uh, we were both making Chiptune before the name Chiptune existed. And I was listening mm. to one of his tracks the other day, and he's used the same sample in a really similar way to how I use it. So um, 
So if you go and search out, I think it's called Adventures in Magic Super Something Land by Schnabubula. And if you look on my SoundCloud, you can <laughs> find my so easy to find it. <laughs> <laughs> We'll tell you what, when this goes up, I'll send you a little link to it. But uh, yeah, I just found it funny to, I was listening to a track and then someone using the same sample in the same sort of trippy psychedelic mm-hmm. way that I'd done myself, I thought was quite a funny little serendipitous thing. I think um, R-Type and Gradius are sort of different sides of the same coin. Um, R-Type... In my opinion, uh, and I'm definitely not as educated in that uh, game as Ben is, of course, is uh, a lot more methodical, uh, slow-paced, slower scrolling, whereas Gradius never really makes you feel... Even though memorization is such a huge aspect of it, the Gradius games never really make you feel um, like you've got a full handle on things. It always feels a little bit more twitchy than than our type does to me. Um, taking a few steps back, the first Gradius on the NES uh, was perhaps the first side-scrolling shoot 'em up that I really got into. And in this subgenre, I would class it uh, as to what Super Mario Brothers, the first one, is to uh, side-scrolling 2D platformers, right? So you know, in the case of Super Mario Brothers, there had been games like uh, the Jump Bug game and. Uh, Backland, for example, but that game sort of laid down the law and the foundation. Uh, the same, I think, goes for for Gradius one. Even though Scramble came before it, but you could almost call that more of a prototype. <laughs> and let's not forget about Scramble. I'm going on a little bit of a of a rant here. I think Scramble actually is also really fun for me to go back to uh, because it has that element of the fuel. Uh, if it wouldn't have that fuel gauge, for example. Um, it wouldn't be as interesting a game to go back to after Gradius, but that fuel gauge makes it, yeah, gives it a bit of a dynamic all of its own. Um, you wouldn't want to have that sort of concern in the Gradius games at all. Um, yeah, so I think for me, Gradius as a series is uh, very important to me. Uh, and I think. It's the quintessential side-scrolling shooter series, and I enjoy the first game incredibly. Uh, I think super highly of the second game, and I would definitely want to put more time in that. Um, three and four, I think you can kind of, kind of really leave. Mm. Uh, you don't, need, you don't need to play those. Uh, but I'm still happy that I at least have access to them via the uh, PS2 disc that came out uh, very early in that systems life um yeah and then we got five and rebirth which are really great again uh five i'm definitely not going to stop playing and i wouldn't really call it garbage no not at all actually (laughs) i think it's it's pretty damn spectacular and one of the more refined uh games in this whole genre that you you could be playing um and finally let's not forget about gradius gaiden um yeah if that becomes accessible to me in any uh in any form, I would snatch it up in a heartbeat. Yeah, good stuff. Gradius is definitely one of the most important gaming series for me in many ways, even though I'm not particularly good at them. I haven't got many clears to my name. Several of the games in the series I've not spent even that much time with and don't feel that fondly towards. But the original Nemesis, I can't, as I said right at the start, I can't overstate just how much that 
inspired me to continue to play video games and how much I obsessed over that game. I even had a T-shirt. Well, I say I had a T-shirt. I ordered a Nemesis T-shirt, but they'd run out. So I got sent a Salamander T-shirt instead, Mm -hmm. which which at the time was even better. But I tried to buy a Nemesis T-shirt. And this was in 1987 or something when video game merch didn't really exist in any way. So that's how much that's how much I was into this stuff. I, I wanted to, you know, proudly display that i was a fan and uh yeah i still play the original to this day i'm still not great at it but i still get a little bit better occasionally at it and uh yeah the second game was mind-blowing at the time that intro sequence and the and the first level were just so spectacular and and uh, evocative of space adventure and being a cool space pilot which is what i'd spent most of my childhood wanting to be again it's only a shame that from level two onwards uh i just die spectacularly and ignominiously over and over again um yeah i agree with mikhil i think three and four are are there for the most hardcore players and and series absolute obsessives and the people who just like to punish themselves with the hardest games in the world but yeah Yeah. for me um rebirth is a really nice title but going to be very very niche in many ways um but gradius 5 you can still play on maybe not this gen but on the last gen systems maybe again on the ps5 depending on what the deal with backwards compatibility is there but as i say if i had one dream for konami and their future release schedule it would actually be as well as that rebirth compilation it would be a 1080p or 4k re-release of gradius 5 because i think it's one of the absolute pinnacles of the the 2d shoot 'em up genre and even though the later levels are too much for me um every time i play that second stage i am just bouncing up and down in my chair it mm. is uh it is such a classic if only it didn't invigorating end, if only it didn't end with a boss rush level two but uh yeah it, i mean i can do that boss rush now so um fairly well most of the time <laughs> but yeah amazing uh amazing history with the series i know we're and all done but i think it would probably be remiss to not mention the um airbrushed art of the cabinet or cover art yeah good point yeah so the original and salamander they're just incredible iconic uh, completely agree paintings. and and yeah. and gradius 2 actually as well with the with the, the the ship coming out of the fire yeah uh yes i mean that was the art i had on that t-shirt was the salamander um but the one i ordered was the original the Gradius, uh, you know, the, the box art that we see on the, the coin-op and on the Nemesis packaging. So, yeah, I just, I, I wish games had art like that now, like mm. promotional art uh, instead of the box covers we get. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, 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 the, and the ship design. I would, I actually want to now start looking up if I can get one of those uh, Vic Viper oh, models. Oh, the models, uh, yeah, to, you can get models, can't together. you? Didn't and, even... the, and the R9 to make Ben happy as well. Yeah, 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 an yeah. R9, R9 Vic Viper face-off. Yeah. Beautiful. Right. Uh, well, that was a lot of Gradius. I'm sorry if we didn't go into depth on everything, but we had to cover a lot. And maybe we'll return to the series with Parodius and or Salamander in the future. So it remains for me, Leon, to thank Ben, Dan and Mikhail, as well as our correspondents and to you for listening. And to tell you that next time in issue 421, we'll be talking about Uncharted, The Lost Legacy. <laughs>